Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. This episode is brought to you by AMC+. With a name like AMC+, you'd expect the plus to mean more, right? Actually, it means better. AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle for content from AMC Network's brands, including Shudder, Sundance Now, IFC, BBC America, Sundance TV, and IFC Films Unlimited. That means you can spend more quality time with content you love. You know, only the good stuff. We'll be back later in the episode to tell you about some of the amazing series you can binge on AMC Plus, where they're giving you only the good stuff. So for this episode, we will be talking about Dean Martin. Yay. Do you like Dean Martin? Uh, yeah, I love Re- Dean Martin. Really? Of course. You don't? I, <laughs> I, I do like him. I wouldn't say that like I grew up listening to him. I didn't grow up listening to him, but he's so cool. And I remember being very sad when he died. Like, I, I remember when he died, I was like, no, because I had gotten into him at that point. Yeah, like... It was definitely later. It wasn't like I was a kid in yeah. Dean Martin. <laughs> well, I mean, like some people's parents, I'm sure, like listened to Dean Martin. My parents didn't. Oh, my my mom didn't listen to that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom listened to like Rolling like that yeah, kind of stuff. Me too. Me too. Um, so Dean Martin is a legendary Hollywood singer and actor. You may know him from his famous songs such as uh, That's Amore. Very famous The song. most famous Italian song ever. Pizza pie. <laughs> Please don't at reply me. My personal favorite Dean Martin song is Cha 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 D'Amore. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of good ones. That's like, I think, like when I think of Dean Martin, that's the song I always think of. Because I used to like that song in high school for some yeah. reason. I mean, I was always flirting with old style music my whole life because I was close to my grandmother who listened to that stuff more than my mom did. So I always had that in my mind that I liked old movies. So I would hear music like that often, but yeah. So that's how I got into those kind of songs. And then I got more into it as I was older for sure. Well, I really did not know a lot about Dean Martin's life. So I picked up the book Dino living high in the dirty business of dreams Now, I told Desi this week that this was going to have to be a two-parter because this is a 600-page book. Uh, This tome is written by Nick Toshes, who actually passed away last year. This is a very extensive look about Dean's life and his career. It was very hard writing this episode because there is so much to choose from. There's so many good stories, and I just could not... Yeah. Pack all of this hot goss <laughs> into one episode. I think when I got into the rat pack, he kind of that kind of stuff, he quickly became like my favorite. I just thought he was so cool. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, he's had an interesting career too. So let's get started. 
Now, we're going to start with a flash forward in this episode. We're being very dramatic here. In 1968, Dean Martin hosted a very special episode of his variety show called the Dean Martin Christmas Special. Yes. Have you seen this? Yes. I'm not a big fan of Christmas specials generally, but I will say that I do love mid-century Christmas aesthetics. Yeah. They're so good. I really am a big fan of those Christmas trees where there's a lot of space between the branches. Me too. They kind of look like Dr. Seuss. I love that. That's my favorite type of tree. Same. Yeah. My stepmom gets one every year. I don't know where they come from, but she gets one every year. Yeah, they're good. I love old-fashioned tinsel. I have a tinsel tree. No, I mean, I I love the like tinsel from the 50s. Oh, yeah. I I do too. I still do icicles. I just love the I just love that aesthetic of like 1950s 60s Christmas. I get so excited seeing that kind of tree. I love it so much. Yeah. They're just so good. I love them. So, this show is from the 60s. It has a lot of those kinds of aesthetics. Uh, Dean had previously released an album of Christmas songs in 1966. He had another album of Christmas songs that came out in the 50s, and now he was gathering his friends to perform an hour in his TV Christmas Spectacular. Yeah. The show opens with a close-up of Dean being transformed into Santa Claus. (laughs) They even put a fake Santa nose on him. Um, They give him the nose, the beard, the hat, and the suit as the song called Look at His Face plays. It's very odd. Yes. Then a bunch of horrifying-looking Santas come out on stage, and they're wearing Santa masks. Creepy. And, like, any mask... From like the 70s and before is creepy. They're the worst things I've ever seen. (laughs) They all look like skin suits. They're so (laughs) awful. Like it really just looks like the mask from Alice, Sweet Alice. Yeah. There's something like so wrong about them. And they're all just doing this like happy dancing jig against a wintry backdrop. This is a musical comedy show. Celebrity guests include Bob Newhart and Dom DeLuise. (laughs) Frank Sinatra even makes a brief appearance. Yeah. Um, Dean Martin then sings Marshmallow World with two sexy Santa girls by his side, and he's holding a cigarette while he's doing it. <laughs> There's so much smoking in these <laughs> old shows that it's like truly unbelievable. You can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, the version of Santa Claus is coming to town that gets sung by his chorus of girls called the Gold Diggers is fucking annoying. <laughs> it was like, oh God, how did it go? It was like, it was like, um, he's making a li- hiss. He's checking it twice. I'm not joking. That's how it goes. It's like they try to make it all kind of like, yeah, zany. And it just doesn't work. It's terrible. Yeah. I, I couldn't wait for this number to be over. But the gold diggers, they did look very cute. They're wearing black go go boots, black coats, and red hats. Then they sung a song with Dean that I thought was a lot better. It was called Daddy. Ooh. <laughs> It's such a horny Christmas special. What is it about Christmas songs being so horny? I don't know, but I was, someone tweeted something this week and I was like, yeah, there are a lot of, like, everything's a little bit horny, like borderline Santa's going to fuck us. Right. (laughs) And there's a lot of naughty and nice and like. Yeah. And a lot of like snuggling by the fireplace. Maybe we're just dirty minded. We're reading too much into (laughs) it. Um. Dom DeLuise comes out. He does a monologue dressed like a cop. Basically, the whole 
like gist of the scene is that he's interrogating Santa Claus because he's like, what's this guy doing with a sack full of loot? Yeah. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. I, Dom DeLuise is funny, though. I like him. Dean Martin sings a song called Christmas is for Kids as the camera does a very slow pan over a bunch of toys. And it's supposed to be this very sentimental moment, but they do like this slow pan over this very creepy doll. Ooh. Uh, and it's not yeah. sentimental to me. This is then followed by an announcement that the show is donating $100,000 worth of toys to kids in need. And Lucille Ball makes an appearance during this segment. And the show ends with everyone singing, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. <laughs> now, I have one more note about this Christmas special, and that is that Bob Newhart is in it. Yeah. And I li- I, th- I like Bob Newhart. I think he he was funny. Yeah. I don't know. He seems like the type of guy that Desi would fuck and try to change him. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because he's very, like, cut off emotionally. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's very, like, close to the vest, like, yeah. his feelings. Absolutely. You can't read them. So I was like, this guy's Desi's type. Yeah. Is he, what is he, I can't even remember what he looks like when he's younger. He, I feel like he's always looked old or something. Yeah. But I, I don't know. He's, like, not bad looking. He's not bad looking. He's just like an interesting person. He's an interesting person. Yeah. So that's the Dean Martin Christmas special. Personally, my favorite Christmas special is Pee Wee Herman's. Oh, yeah. I want to see the... Isn't there like a Brady one too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, there's a lot. And I think these Christmas variety shows were very popular in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Because I think Judy Garland had one too. She did. Yeah. Uh, I do think, because there's a lot of these musical comedy variety shows back then, and I, of course they're going to have a special for Christmas. Right. I mean, it makes sense. You have to. So let's start back in time at the beginning. Dean Martin was born Dino Paul Crochetti to Angela and Gaetano Crochetti on June 7th, 1917 in Steubenville, Ohio. His brother William was born a year earlier in 1916. Dean's father, Gaetano, emigrated to America from Monte Silvano, Italy, in 1913. His brothers had arrived in America some years before. Gaetano worked as a barber. It was here in Steubenville, Ohio, where he would meet his wife, Angela, who was the daughter of Italian immigrants. She was working as a seamstress at the time she met her future husband and father of her children. For the first five years of Dean's life, he spoke only in Italian, but his mother wanted him to learn English, so the family began speaking that. Dean's childhood friend George Mavromatis described Dean as a, quote, tough cookie. He said that Dean was handsome and a good dresser and that he'd, quote, fight you at the drop of a hat. If you rubbed him wrong or said something wrong to him, he'd fight you. George also said that Dean was very kind-hearted, though. While 14-year-old Dean enjoyed hanging around with boys his age, drinking milkshakes, and going to record stores and diners, he began spending time in billiard halls and gambling dens. His friend Jimmy worked as a runner at the billiard halls and cigar stores in the town, placing bets for the men who hung out there. By the time Dean was 16, he was done with high school. It just was not something that he was interested in anymore, so he dropped out. Around this time, a teenage Dean had a brief stint as an amateur boxer, earning $10 a match. He went by the name Kid Crochet. Sorry. (laughs) It's like a riff off of his name, Crochetti. I know, but it sounds so grandma. Yeah. Like he 
Like you think he's going to come out looking like mama's family. Yeah, with a doily on his boxing glove or something. Honestly, that's a very cool boxing persona. I mean, it's not, like... It's funny. Like, that's like a wrestling thing. Yeah. Like, that's like a professional wrestling where you come out dressed like mama's family. But you're really tough. Yeah, and you fight someone <laughs> and like, you know, someone else rips your wig off and then that makes you go really aggro. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Kid crush. Copyrighted. <laughs> But after about a dozen fights, a cut eyebrow, a split lip, and injuring his hands, he quit. And then he took a job at the steel mill. Dean's friend Tony Torcasio grew up alongside him in Steubenville and ran in the same circles. He was quoting as saying, They had a saying in Stewville. That's what he calls it. They had a saying in Stewville. When you was born and you was young and you was a kid, they'd say, Learn to steal, learn to deal, or go to the mill. Stewville was a wide-open town. People from Pittsburgh and all over used to come there. They used to come from hundreds of miles down to Stewville because Stewville had everything. And yes, it did. Steubenville was a party town. Ooh. This place sounded fun, by the way. I'm, like, excited. <laughs> it's like Potter t- Pottersville. <laughs> Steubenville is Pottersville. There was, like, gambling joints everywhere. Wow. Illegal, of course. And, of course, they had a very successful... Um, you know, bootlegging yeah. businesses happening in this town. Before. So there's all these gin joints and like illegal gambling. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you more about what they Ooh. had in this town. They also had an uh, all night Chinese Italian restaurant. Mm, yeah. That- <laughs> now, at first I was a little hesitant because you don't usually hear of Chinese cuisine and Italian cuisine together. But I, reading further into it, they had one chef who was a Chinese chef. And one chef who was an Italian chef. I love it. So you could get Chinese food there or Italian food. Or it's both. like a combo Taco Bell pizza. <laughs> like one of those weird combo chains. I really love this. It just does remind There's a lot of restaurants like that in New York, actually. That's what I was going to say. It reminds me of those Greek diners in New York where you can get... You know anything, but they even have combo ones where it's like Chinese and like Mexican. Really? Yes, yes. And it's the same thing. It's like the wife's Chinese, the husband's Mexican, or it was like you know some weird reason why that had that made sense. Right? But yeah, there is a few. I used to live by one that I think was Chinese and Mexican, and I I passed it so many times. I was like, what? And I'm not going in there. That that sounds. I mean, it wasn't like fusion. It would right. be like chow mein tacos like it wasn't combined in any way but yeah and it was good though like if you're a drunk person or a stoned person oh god yeah and you can't decide yeah and you want egg rolls and tacos i love it and you don't want to go to jack in the box for that combination (laughs) which i have ordered at jack in the box very stoned when i was a kid the egg rolls i don't think i've ever had the jack in box egg rolls dude i was on clement street fucking wasted out of my mind when I was a teenager and I went to the the, the jack-in-the-box like <laughs> on Clement Street. And it was like one in the morning and got two tacos and an egg roll. Are they vegetarian? Yeah. Okay. And well, I'm pretty better and me. I'm pretty sure the jack-in-the-box tacos are also vegetarian. Like it's some kind of soy protein in there. They're basically beans, right? Because their their meat is like mixed with beans, I think. I don't know, but as a drunk teenager, it was delicious. I've had some greasy Jack in the Box tacos. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
I mean, I've, it's famously the Red Hill Jack in the Box. <laughs> oh, right? that Jack in the Box? <laughs> Not there. I don't, because I don't, I didn't, that, that closed a long time ago. Yeah. But I had heard tale of it. Like, well, I used to go there when yeah. I was a kid. The Marin people I know were all like, the Jack in the Box at Red Hill. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we've talked about on our show before? The most famous fast food establishment in Marin County is the, was, I don't think it's there anymore. It was the combination KFC Taco Bell. Oh, right. In Mill Valley, which <laughs> got in trouble when I around the time I was like a teenager living there because they were selling weed yeah, out perfect. of the drive-thru. And you went through the drive-thru, you asked for extra biscuits. <laughs> but we all knew that extra biscuits meant a sack of weed. Well, one time... Sometimes you're like, one extra biscuits. Well, that's how, <laughs> that's how they got busted. Someone went through the drive-thru... And they really did want extra biscuits. They opened their bag and there was weed in there and they were like, hey, and then they narked. What an asshole. Yeah. Ruined the whole operation for everybody. Uh, Anyway, Steubenville. It's wild. Sounds like a hell of a town. The town was also known for its brothels that lined the street in the red light district. Dean's friend George's mom used to warn him not to walk by the houses where the girls hung out on the front porch. She'd say that the girls would pull him into the house and pin his penis to his belly button with a horse blanket pin. (laughs) What? Apparently these threats worked because he stayed away from the houses. Oh, I mean, that's scary. That's like... Yeah. Where did she come up with that? (laughs) Seriously. She's like, my dad told me to do this to him. (laughs) In a 1938 ad for an adult film called The Body of Beautiful that played at the local theater, this ad was amazing. It read, quote, it's a hundred to one that these delinquent daughters will go wrong. Midnight shows only. Adults only. See the creation of a baby in three different births. (laughs) That sounds incredible. I want to see this porn. <laughs> I looked for it, Desi. I looked for it for way too long. Yeah. I, I would love to see if anyone had... I didn't even think of looking for that kind of adult movie from that period. They must be like so tame or maybe the craziest thing ever. I love that they, instead of saying, see a woman get fucked by three different guys, they say, see three different births of a baby. <laughs> Do they really show births of a baby? Is that what they call sex? Like he's coming inside of her? I don't know, but I tried to look more into this movie and there was an article from an Indiana newspaper about this movie that same year that was basically like, um, this movie is in trouble for showing in the town. It needs to be banned. And then there was an ad I saw from the movie production and they basically said this is an educational film Okay, and gynecologists have said it's educational. So maybe people are like, we'll get off on anything. (laughs) (laughs) We need it. In 1936, Rex's cigar store opened up. It was a cigar store in the front and an illegal gambling hall in the back. The gambling hall was outfitted with blackjack tables, crap tables, and roulette. There was also a poker game going as well at all times, as well as horse betting. Dean worked here as a car dealer. While Dean never cheated his customers, he did manage to slip a few extra silver dollars into his pockets during a shift. They only used silver dollars. They didn't have poker chips, so that's what they used in the poker games. Dean actually got busted (gasps) for stealing these quarters once. He didn't get fired, but he went on a ride during the... um, 
during an Italian festival uh-huh. in, in town and he went on a ride that went upside down and all the quarters fell out of his pockets. <gasps> oh, my God. Or the silver dollars. Yeah. Uh, Dean also worked the craps table and the roulette table. And Dean was a ladies' man. Yeah. His friend Mindy Costanzo said, quote, Dean used to fuck every human he could. <laughs> the dealers he worked with when they were on shift, he'd sneak down to their apartments and fuck their wives. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Though Dean loved the nightlife and the ladies in Steubenville, his other love was singing. His first time singing live was in the summer of 1934 at this resort on Lake Milton when he was 17. He sang O Marie, which was an anglicized Italian song with the George Williams Orchestra. Ooh. One of Dean's biggest musical influences was Bing Crosby. But another one of his influences was Harry Mills of the Mills Brothers, which was a black jazz and pop quartet. Like these performers, Dean was a crooner. During the time that Dean worked at Rex's cigar store, he was also regularly singing at dances around town. At this time, he was going by the name Dino Martini. Hey, we're back to tell you about a few more things exclusive to AMC Plus that we think you'll love, including the next true crime series you'll obsess over, Des, starring Doctor Who's David Tennant as real-life serial killer Dennis Nilsson. Want to get lost in addictive, bingeable drama? Check out Riviera, a Sundance Now original starring Julia Stiles. Catch up on season one and season two of the sun-soaked thriller, and don't miss season three, which is now streaming. If you're looking for something that Metro calls more than a touch Tarantino, watch the powerful new drama Gangs of London. AMC Plus is available on all your devices, ad-free and on demand. Watch new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Sign up today at amcplus.com. That's amcplus.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson, 
I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. In 1939, Dean was hired by the Mounds Club just outside of Cleveland as a singer. The Mounds Club was a notorious mob-run illegal gambling hotspot that provided entertainment and food. The following year, Dean would change his stage name to Dean Martin. By this time, he was fronting the Sammy Watkins Orchestra. Dean became one of the hottest entertainers in Cleveland. In 1941, Dean met 18-year-old Betty McDonald. She had been traveling with her father, Bill, who was a salesman, and they landed in Cleveland where she saw Dean performing at the hotel they were staying at. Dean was a real panty dropper back then. (laughs) So like any lady who saw him perform, they're like, I want that. I buy it. After that night, Dean was sure he wouldn't see her again, but Betty's dad took a permanent job in Cleveland and Betty and Dean began seeing each other. That summer, they were engaged and by October, they were married. They then embarked on a tour together with the Sammy Watkins Orchestra. Dean and Betty would go on to have four children, When Betty was pregnant with their first child in February of 1942, Dean Martin went on tour without her. And though he loved Betty, he loved the nightlife, and he loved women. Ugh, Dean. (laughs) Look, was he the greatest husband? No. But he loved women. But he he loved women so much he just couldn't help himself. His dick had to go into every puss. He was the original Polly. Polly. His wife just wasn't into wasn't in in on it. Polly guy. Polly Walnuts? Polly. Polly Amorous? Polly. Oh, Polly. Oh. <laughs> Polly. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he, he wasn't real Polly. He was no. po- for him. He In his mind, he said, yeah, this is a polyamorous relationship, except the wife didn't know. But that still exists today. <laughs> of course it does. Or at least it's always the guy doing everything, but the woman's. It's called only- cheating, yeah. Desi. And it, yes, it does exist. In 1943, Dean was invited to Manhattan to perform at the Rio Bamba. He would be replacing Frank Sinatra, who had to cancel. This was a big deal to go to New York. Yeah. Though he was under contract with the Sammy Watkins band, Dean said fuck it and just split and went to New York. He then signed a new contract with Rio Bamba. It was here that he met Frank Sinatra, a man who had become a big star at this point and would go on to become his lifelong friend. Dean, now a New York resident, moved his wife and son with him. But Dean's marriage was not going great. All they were doing was fucking and fighting. Though he was making good money now, Dean was spending most of it on gambling and drinking. Him and his family were even evicted from their apartment. Oh, no. So he's this big successful... I mean, he's not like Frank Sinatra huge at this point. But he's making some money. He's making money. He has like a, a gig at this Rio Bamba. He's not a starving artist. Yeah. They got evicted from their apartment because he's just blowing it all and drinking and gambling. 
And he wasn't faithful either. One still? Of, still <laughs> this, he did not straighten up when his wife moved to New York. No, he did not. One of Dean's flings was with a pinup and chorus girl named Greg Sherwood. Sherwood was fifth place in 1943's Miss America pageant. What's her name? Greg Sherwood. That's her stage name. Greg. Greg. Oh, okay. Dean was popular with everyone as a performer, but especially the ladies. He, oh, I already said that. He was a real panty dropper. <laughs> I guess I just have to reiterate that. That's how many panties dropped. <laughs> he was, they were so horny for him. That's incredible. I mean, I knew, I knew he got, people got horny for him later on, but that was because he's a big star. He was always. So from the get-go. Yes. Okay. He was always like a horny icon. Yeah. One night while performing at the Harlequin, Dean got into an altercation with a guy in the audience. This guy was heckling Dean, calling him a 4F. Now, I had to look up what a 4F was. <laughs> I'm guessing it's an immigration-related term. It's not. It's, it's not. a military thing. Oh. It basically means, like, you uh, dodge the draft. Oh. Or because... Like, you had something that got you out of serving. And he did. He had a hernia, so he didn't serve in World War II. Okay. Well, this guy was real mad that this Italian guy's on stage singing, he didn't serve your fucking country. This guy's head's about to fucking explode watching Dean Martin perform. All the ladies are into him. What's really going on here? What's really going on here? <laughs> right. This guy needs to do a personal inventory. I think this is why Dean is hot, is hot though, because he really will fight. Like, he wasn't just pretending <laughs> to be a tough guy. He was a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dean let the heckling go at first. But this drunken idiot kept at it. Dean then said something in Italian, which you know was probably like, <laughs> fuck you, or something. Yeah, I can only imagine. Now, the guy had no idea what he said, but he knew it wasn't good. Yeah. So then this guy reaches into his pocket, revealing a switchblade. And Dean did not <laughs> run away. <laughs> That's he, why he's hot. <laughs> Dean leapt from the stage and onto this guy, Hulkamania style, and they just wrestled on the ground together. There's something always really scary in old movies when some uh, creep pulls out a switchblade. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a frightening moment for me. <laughs> well, you know that's a bad guy. <laughs> I just think of some, a few movies where it's like, whoa, we're bringing out the switchblade. Like Stand By Me. Another scary thing that I always think of that people say you should run from a gun but lunge towards someone with a knife Why? or something like that. Maybe I have it opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to me if yeah, this happens please, to you. Please. please look it up on the internet first. Desi also says to get a bear to stop attacking you, just rub honey all over your tits. <laughs> what? I don't know. What if you're totally wrong about this lunging from a knife thing? There's something like that about which one you're supposed to, like which one. I think it makes sense because if someone's shooting at you, you can zigzag run. It's a little harder to get you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure someone will at reply us. Yeah. Maybe it's run from the knife. And then run towards the gun. We're going to figure this okay. out. Dean then grabbed his head and bashed it into the floor. Damn. Yeah. He's like, how dare you heckle yeah. me during my fucking show? I don't care about your fucking switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, Dean's wife, wound up moving back to Ohio with the kids where she moved back in with her parents. Later, she would move in with Dean's parents. Ugh. Over the years, her and Dean would continue to have a tumultuous on-again, off-again relationship and have a total of four kids together. Back in New York, Dean met manager Lou Perry, who wanted to represent him. Dean would end up signing with him, even though he already had other managers. Ooh. But he thought, well, the more managers I have, yeah. the more work I'm going to get. 
it kind of makes sense. No, it doesn't because he's still paying these managers a cut. Yeah. They Even all, when they don't get him the gig? Well, yeah. he's... Look, it sounds like Dean was giving them money up front, too. Oh. So this is like a non-traditional dealing. He's yeah. losing money with all these managers is the point. Dean moved into Lou Perry's apartment because he had been evicted. So he uh-huh. moved into this guy's apartment with Lou Perry's other client, a guy named Sonny King, who, like Dean, was also a former boxer. Sonny recalled the living arrangements back then. He said, quote, there was a pullout couch that could sleep too. One week, Dean would sleep in the couch with Lou, and I would sleep on the floor on the cushions from the couch. Wow. And then they would rotate. This is a hot situation. <laughs> Lou always got the couch because it was his place. Oh, I see. But he still had to share a, a bed with yeah. a grown man. And it was a pullout. It wasn't even like a real bed. No. Those things can be uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. I mean, Especially back then. That's probably. what I'm saying. Yeah. This is the 40s, so the technology wasn't as good. No. That thing was probably springy as hell. Yeah. Lou next moved in his other prospective client. <gasps> Another guy. There's four guys living in this apartment now, and you know it's only a one-bedroom. This was a guy named Frank Military who was a receptionist at MGM. This guy quit his job and moved into Lou Perry's apartment just so he could sleep in the bathtub. (laughs) It must have stunk like hell in that place. Can you imagine? Gross. Dean caught the eye of famed comedian Lou Costello and his manager, Eddie Sherman, when they saw him performing at the Harlequin. Sherman was warned by his associate to stay away from Dean. He said, quote, he's got 30 different managers and each has a piece of him and he drinks. But Lou was like, well, I drink. Yeah. But Costello was into Dean and wanted to put him in movies with Abbott. Dean was down, but he hated his nose and was really self-conscious about showing it off on the big screen. Really? 27-year-old Dean looked up cosmetic surgeons in the phone book. He had no money, so Costello gave him $500 to pay for it. But Dean spent the $500 as soon as Costello gave it to him. (laughs) He went gambling and drinking. Oh, my God. That's a lot of money back then. So so then Dean was like, well, fuck, I didn't get the nose job. So he then asked for a loan from his buddy because he's like, I spent the money I was supposed supposed to get the nose job with. Uh, And the friend was like, look, I'll give you a loan, but I'm paying the doctor directly. Right. You're not. This guy's smart. This guy went to (laughs) Al-Anon. He had boundaries. The nose job was a success and Dean was ready for Hollywood. Ooh. Did you know he had a nose job? No. I'm like dying to look up his like nose, like pre-nose or whatever. Whoever did it did a good job. Because he doesn't. I mean, my memory of his nose right now is like it was not a perfect. It was sort of a bigger nose even with the nose job. But I that's guess. what I'm saying. Whoever yeah. did it did a good job because it looks very natural. Yeah, they didn't go overboard. Yeah. Dean met Joey Levitch in 1945 at the Glass Hat Club at the Belmont Plaza Hotel in New York, where both of them were performing. Levitch was a comic who was going by the stage name Jerry Lewis, and the pair instantly hit it off. Ooh. Jerry said of Dean, quote, his sense of comic awareness was brilliant. There are some people born with that, the genius of time, and he had not just a sense of humor, but he had a sense of humor that applied to anyone and everything around him, and it was brilliant. It was right on the money all the time. I was in awe of his ability to make you laugh. Gene and Derry began... Gene and Derry? (laughs) 
I was like, what? <laughs> Jerry and Dean began performing together in New York. Dean would sing and Jerry would do a bunch of stupid shit in the background. And people yeah. were like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that's basically their act. <laughs> this is their act. Is yeah. Jerry Lewis acting like a complete dipshit. And Dean just being cooler and even funnier without trying. <laughs> and boy, opinion. did Jerry resent that. Yeah. Dean, I bet. Dean didn't even have to try to be funny. He was the straight man. Yeah, but he was hilarious. Like, li- like literally hilarious. Like, Well, it's kind of like how Leslie Nielsen's so funny because he plays it so dead straight. Yeah. It's like you have to be like able to like, like sometimes there's certain comics like let's say Jerry Lewis or Jim Carrey where they have to get all the attention. And that could be a turnoff to me, I think, sometimes in comedy. Like I prefer the people who say the funniest thing after like an hour of being silent or something <laughs> like that. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't need the attention or something. Cause there's something about like growing up, there's always like the funny kid in class can sometimes seem annoying and desperate. And sometimes I feel like those people grow up into certain types of comedians where it's just like, ugh, calm down. Like I don't need to give you attention every second. You well, know? needless to say, Jerry Lewis was a very popular comedian and he does a lot of people like him. Of course. Or like, especially back then. He does kind of remind me of like a Jim Carrey, very physical comedy. Yeah. Goofy voices. And look, as a kid in the 90s, I loved Jim Carrey. He was like it. Yeah. And kids loved Jerry Lewis. I liked Jim Carrey when he was on In Living Color more than I liked his movies. Have you seen The Mask lately, Desi? I'm never going to see that movie. Desi, why? Because it looks like. I don't want to watch that movie. Desi, you, I just know certain things I don't want to see. It's great. <laughs> I saw The Mask in theaters. It's great. <laughs> so disappointed in you right now. I'm never going to see that movie. You know, sometimes you just know you're not going to like something. That's the best Jim Carrey movie. I don't buy that. How it could that is. Be? I don't care about his serious movies. The Mask is the best Jim Carrey movie. Okay. Please don't at me. Take. I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> In the summer of 1946, both Dean and Jerry were booked at Skinny D'Amato's 500 Club in Atlantic City. D'Amato was a gangster who had been operating the club since the 30s. He was born and raised in Atlantic City and worked alongside Nucky Thompson. Ooh. Nucky Thompson, the lead character in Boardwalk Empire, based on a real person, if you didn't know. Enoch Nucky Thompson ran Atlantic City. Yeah, during, I love that period. Yeah, during the Prohibition era, he was the sheriff, and he basically, he was the guy. Yeah. He had ties to Chicago and New Orleans mobs. The 500 Club was a popular Atlantic City club that hosted entertainers like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and of course, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Dean and Jerry were a hit in Atlantic City. The club was always packed to see them, and this would be like a line around the block yeah. packed to get into yeah. to see their act. That same summer, Diamond Records released Dean Martin's first commercial record. On a night that Martin and Lewis were performing at the glamorous nightclub Chez Paris in Chicago, Jerry saw a guy in the audience that was talking in the middle of their act. <sighs> Jerry leaned down, smacked the guy on the shoulder, and said, Hey, pal, show's up here. (laughs) The guy was not pleased, and he responded with, If you don't move away right now, I'll blow your fucking head off. Whoa. (laughs) And in that moment, it dawned on Jerry that he may have just smacked and scolded a mob boss. (laughs) 
After the show, a terrified 19-year-old Jerry went to apologize to the guy who was sitting at a table with his associates. The guy was stunned but impressed that this kid had the balls to approach him. Jerry later learned that he was Charlie Fischetti, who was a Chicago mobster and also Al Capone's cousin. Ooh. So this guy really was a mob boss. In the end, Jerry would become friends with Charlie and Charlie's brothers. And according to Jerry, their family donated very generously to his telethons. Oh, nice. So his ballsiness paid off. Although this reminds me that Jerry Lewis definitely is the type of comedian where you would ne- I would never want to sit in the front row of their performance. No, no. I don't like that. I don't either. I know that's like work. crowd work is like part of comics acts sometimes. Please leave me alone. Yeah, I don't like it One either. T- <laughs> <laughs> and then they know I don't want it. They, yeah. So they always will pick they me. They do it more. Yeah. Anytime that like the performer interacts with the audience, I get very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like when they, even when it's like not like one person on stage, but when it's like a play and they come out into the audience. One time they did pick on me and I, I can't remember what exactly I said, but it was just a response. And it was so funny that he was actually mad. <laughs> I felt. <laughs> Cause it was like him going back and forth with me a few times. And then I had like the biggest laugh. I wish I remembered what I, what exactly I said. It was so long ago. But I did feel like he was a little irritated afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a Long Island comedy club, so it wasn't like a, right. a big show or anything or a famous person. I went to a comedy show in Palm Springs with Brendan at the Ace Hotel, and he really wanted to go because this comic he liked was performing, this guy named Doug Pound. And... Uh, <laughs> The only seat left was in like the front row. Right. Look, you know the you know that no one wants that. But you seat. know that audience. Yeah, we've done karaoke there before. You know what that room looks like. It's a very small room. Yes, and we had the front row seat, and I was like, could not wait to leave the whole time. I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, Brandon got picked on the entire show. Also, I don't like it because I'm not like a huge laugher. Like no matter what, I don't really laugh a lot, so I feel uncomfortable not laughing when they can see me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just not like the person that should be in the front. Well, then you feel like you have to be on. Yes, because I feel like if I'm not laughing, they're going to notice me. Because, and I have had someone say that to me once when I went to their show. They're like, I noticed you weren't laughing. Oh, no. I was like, that's why you shouldn't look in the audience. <laughs> I'm not a laugher. Martin and Lewis continued their gig at Chez Paris for three months, and they made a ton of money doing it. Martin and Lewis at this time were the biggest comedy duo in the country. And after a tour of America and a stint at the Copacabana in New York, the duo made their way to Los Angeles. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. (laughs) 
Their first gig in LA was at Slapsy Maxis. It was a hot spot for Hollywood movers and shakers. After their first show, they had several offers from various studios, and they wound up signing with Paramount. In 1949, the duo appeared in their first film together. It was called My Friend Irma. This was just the first of many Martin and Lewis films. The guys were just as popular on screen as they were on stage. Dean's love of gambling and women rubbed off on Jerry. He too had a wife, but he was fucking all the ladies he could in LA. He fucked Liz Renee or tried to. Right. Yeah. Did she say no? I think that he just wanted her to to watch him jerk off. Wasn't that, that the story? Oh, yeah. Because he didn't want to technically cheat yet or something? Well, <laughs> he, he got over that real fast. <laughs> this is a quote from Jerry about him and Dean's sexploits. Quote, shit, yeah, we started knocking them off. I think between us, we went through them all. The most beautiful broads went crazy for Dean. In truth, I fucked more than he did. But it was always like they wanted to burp me. <laughs> Isn't that disgusting? I'm revolted right now. (laughs) Are they saying like they had a mommy fetish with him? Also, I like that he's like, I fucked more, but he probably fucked anything. And Dean got all like hot women. Yeah. (laughs) That was like also what I took away. Dean definitely got the choice ladies and Jerry was like, I'll fuck whatever. They want to burp him. I'll fuck whoever isn't my wife. You know why? Because he's not hot. So when they're with him, they're probably like, oh, he's so cute. He's a little funny boy. <laughs> they're, fuck- they're fucking Jerry to get to Dean. I bet. Yeah. Imagine wanting to fuck Dean and getting Jerry. Ugh. God, that's got to suck ass. Yeah. <laughs> I would be so fucking mad. He probably does the voices too. Ugh. Like when he I comes- would just leave if I got stuck with Jerry. Like if you're with a friend and one goes off with Dean and it's not you, I'm right. out of there. I'm out of there too. <laughs> Go jerk off, Jerry. <laughs> At the end of 1948, Dean and Jerry went to Miami to perform at the Orange Bowl. It was here that Dean met beauty queen Jean Beeger. It was love at first sight. Problem was, he was still married to Betty. And her and the kids had just moved to L.A. Oh, boy. So her and Jean, her, uh, sorry, her and Dean got divorced in 1949. And that same year, Dean married Jean. Dean and Jean. <laughs> Dean and Jean getting married the same year you get a divorce. They had three kids together. Whoa. And when Betty's alcoholism had become out of control, she was unable to care for her and Dean's four children. So those kids moved in to him and Jean's house. Damn. So there's like seven kids in this house. Was she an alcoholic the whole time or she, after the divorce? She had become an alcoholic when Dean, around the time Dean moved to New York and was getting I success. Got I it. think she was... I'm sure she was predispositioned to it, but I think the stress of her life with Dean exacerbated it. Yeah. I mean, she's like basically a single mom. Yeah. With four kids. Absolutely. And he's around And I'm sure it started off as drinking to unwind and escalated. Absolutely. Also in 1949, Dean and Jerry debuted their radio show with NBC called Martin and Lewis Show. It was not well-received at first. So the network hired Norman Lear and Ed Simmons to write their material. This show would run until 1953. In 1950, Dean and Jerry would go on to have a successful run on the Colgate Comedy Hour. This was a musical variety series on NBC that ran from 1950 to 1955. Meanwhile, the comedy duo continued to make movies together that were wildly popular as well as to continue to perform at nightclubs. 
Though he had released a few singles in previous years, Dean Martin's debut album, Dean Martin Sings, was released on Capitol Records in 1953. This is the album that has the song, That's Amore. Nice. Any song that mentions pizza in the first line (laughs) is a good song. It's such a good song. I mean, I just love it. I forget that this was like a real song on the radio. Because it sort of has, I mean, he's Italian, but it has the it has the vibe of someone non-Italian trying to act like they're Italian. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, it's such an absurd song. Yeah, but it's like you could just picture someone completely un-Italian, like Doris Day singing yeah. it or something. Like. Right, and then people being like, hey, that's hey, kind of offensive. That's Italian appropriate. <laughs> yeah, so it's like weird that he's literally Italian, like old school, like even. like Yeah, so That's Amore came out. Everyone loves That's Amore. Yeah. I think people still love That's Amore. Yeah. Who doesn't know this song? It's iconic. I mean. I, I almost ordered pizza tonight because of this song. It makes you want to eat. It like does. Italian it food. It makes me want to <laughs> eat. Any song that makes me want to eat is an effective song. Also, pasta fazul. Well, that's in the song. He talks about pasta fazul, so I immediately looked up recipes. Yeah, it's Even, a good soup. I don't have any of the ingredients in my house to make it. A little too batty. <laughs> That's a good that's a good pasta shape. Do you have a favorite pasta shape? I like a few. I mean, it depends on the sauce. That's how hardcore I am. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. The the reason there are different shapes is for the different sauces. Yeah. One one shape I do like is farfalle. I love it. It's farfalle. So good. Farfalle. Farfalle. I don't know how to say things. You know this. <laughs> I like how Rachel acts like she's such a hoity toity person <laughs> who knows how to say everything. <laughs> You mean the bow tie pasta? Yeah, I, I try. At least I fucking tried to be Italian. <laughs> I didn't say bow tie. Hoidi doidi doi. You know what else I like? Orecchetti. I got actually. I do have orecchetti in the pantry. I like it because I was gonna make little hats. <laughs> They're gotta, ears. You gotta put them on your little thumb. They're ears. That's what orecchetti. I know means. what it means, but they're also little hats. <laughs> But you put them on your thumb as a little hat. That's the pea receptacle. Wait, I mean peas. <laughs> Gross. I mean peas. Wow, you must green. have a light stream. <laughs> if, if that's a bowl, you can green be in. peas. That's where the green pea goes. Yeah. Do you that, know what I'm that, talking about? Absolutely. Am I making sense? No, you have it with a little bit of a creamy sauce with the peas and the orecchietti. Yes, Come and on. the pea falls into the little scoop. That's what I mean. You got to get the right shape. Right. See, I was planning on making orecchietti with prosciutto and peas over the summer. Oh, so good. I never made it. I love pasta and I miss it like hell. I do too. <laughs> That's the thing about the pandemic. I haven't had pasta from a restaurant in almost a year. I've made it a bunch. Not anymore. I made it too much. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I made penne alla vodka like 10 times. It was so bad. <laughs> Yum. I would kill for some good pasta right now. It's so good. So that's Amore. Great Italian-American song. We love it. But by the mid-50s, despite all their success and their 10 years of friendship, Dean and Jerry would enter into a feud that would span 20 years. The rift began in 1954 while they were working on their new film, Living It Up. That November, the duo put on a television fundraiser for muscular dystrophy. Dean sang songs including You Alone and Christmas Blues. The review of the show in Variety magazine was not favorable. (gasps) 
They said that Dean sang too much. And Dean was furious about this. That's a pretty rude comment. <laughs> He's like, that's what I do. I'm a singer. I sang too much. It's also what a weird complaint. This great singer, he sang too much. Like, what right. do they want? Uh, so he didn't think he sang too much, especially considering it was a two-hour event. And it's insane. He only sang like three songs. And then <gasps> the other songs he sang was with Jerry being an idiot in the background. Right. Those don't count. Because that's part of their shtick. Yeah. Is Dean would sing this very serious song. Right. And, and then they'd do a comedy song. No. Or bit. Jerry would be in the background while he's singing doing stupid shit. Oh, how annoying. But that was their act. That's a popular thing because uh, Louis Prima and Keely Smith had that too. She was kind of the straight man and he would be goofing around in the background. I like Louis Prima. Yeah, me too. So he was pissed about this. He resented that Jerry was getting all kinds of praise for just being a complete clown on stage. And he's like, I'm a real fucking artist, though. Yeah. He's a, he's a comedian doing the same shtick he's been doing for 10 years. Right. I'm a musical genius. Also, these songs stand on their own. Like, my singing stands on its own. It's, on, it's not only just good because it's with him being stupid in the background. Right. I'm right. sure it's annoying. He was getting... Irritated, And look, whether or not his complaints were valid, these two have been inseparable basically for 10 years straight. You're bound to get annoyed with your partner. They've been friends for this long. I mean, they're doing movies, clubs, radio. Like, it's not just one venture. It's like everything together. Honestly, the more that I think about it, they probably were fucking girls in the same room at the same time. Ew. Um, But just same for time purposes. Yeah. Because where would they find the time? They were busy. Seriously. They probably had to do they it. They came into the green room, got some uh, fucking done. Yeah, got fuck some broads. Fuck some disposable broads. <laughs> Interchangeable. So on top of all of that, Dean was cropped out of a photo in Look Magazine <gasps> for the promotion of their film, Living It Up. Wow. And that was it. He yeah. was like, God damn it. <laughs> How do you crop out... A picture when there's only two people in the picture. Well, at this point, did Jerry start doing movies on his own? No. Okay. They're still, so this is very weird. It wasn't like Jerry was all of a sudden this big movie star on his own, and no. that's why they cropped it out. No. Yeah. They are famous together. They are a comedy duo together. Yeah. Dean does have his own record at this point. That's so weird. They're equally famous. Yeah. And they're famous for being a duo. Yeah. So it was a very weird move that Look Magazine did that. Anyway, tensions are rising. We're going to talk more about the feud in next week's episode. Get more into that. Because they did, this was a long-lasting feud. Yeah. I'm into the feud. I always like to know the feud's origin story. Because usually it's like a lot of really stupid, trivial things. Because it's been building up. Yes. Yeah. But that's what I'm that's what I mean about them spending so much time together. Right. This is stuff that built up for years. You know what I mean? Like probably from the get-go, they had issues, but because it the success happened, they just never dealt with it. Yes. So it was resentments building for a very long time. And I'm sure Jerry had his own resentments too. We should make sure that never happens with us. <laughs> well, we should only do like no more than two projects together. <laughs> I just think doing everything together like that, you need your own thing, I yeah. think, because yeah. you want to have your separate person outside of a duo or a group. Like It's healthy. Yeah. So They were married to each it other. It seems like it, and they weren't fucking. 
Right. So there wasn't even that release. <laughs> you don't think, <laughs> to get through the tension. You don't think they ever did a Dutch rudder? <laughs> what exactly is that? Do you know what a Dutch rudder is? No. Okay. I mean, I can guess. That's where you grab your friend's dick and he grabs your dick. Wait. Wait. You grab your own dick. Your friend grabs their own dick. Then you grab each other's arms and you pull their arm and you guys are pulling each other's arms. So you're, you're kind of jerking them off, you're, but not. You're kind of jerking them off, but with their own hand. And Ooh. you do it at the same time. It's like a boat. That's it's hot. Like, yeah. I would love to see walking on two guys doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Look, I, look, a Dutch rudder's happening. I bet they did that with each other. I'm, ooh, now I want to like, I'm curious about that. Listeners, have you ever done a Dutch rudder with your friend, with your platonic friend? Don't get into too many details. I don't want too many details, but I just would like to know if you ever did that with a platonic friend. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're straight or you consider yourself straight. Yeah. Because I'm curious, like what, I like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm always interested. (laughs) It's like, hey, we're just two buds. Let's try it with our arms. Trying to get off. It's not. It's not gay if I don't. It's not gay if I don't touch the dick. There's lots of little workarounds. I bet they. I look. I'm just saying. Now that the wheels are turning, now I'm thinking about like if they spent this much time together. The interesting thing though is what exactly about that makes it hotter for them? Because technically, the other person's jerking them off. No, it's just you're helping a friend. They don't really need the help, though. Well, there must be an element that makes it hotter knowing you're not moving your arm. Yeah, it's yeah. like someone else is moving it. It's like I've also heard something where um, guys make their arm fall asleep. Yes, <laughs> that, that's a classic move too. So there is something I think where it's hotter where you don't think it's you. Yeah, yeah. You're like know. I'm not jerking off. I'm jerking off on a different level. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I love it. Oh. Uh, so you're finished for this week. Do you want to? Do you want to read the patrons? Uh, sure, I can do that. Should I? Yes. I mean, it sounds exciting. So, um, well, you can donate to our Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's what all of these people I'm going to start naming did. <laughs> you have uh, over a hundred episodes of bonus content available to you the minute you join. All of it's available. All to of you. it. You can just start listening to hours of content. So these people were lucky enough to do that. We have Gina, Susan, Tom, Jessica, Dervia, Sarah, Ryan, uh, Elizabeth, Laura, Rosie, Jade, Mary, Haley, Natalie, Joy, Pilar, Trey Trey, Ashley, Sari, Jen, Veronica, Shelby, Kimberly, Michael, Shelley, Angel, and Janelle. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So, yeah. So, we'll see you next week with part two of Dean Martin. We're going to get to all the juicy stuff, it seems We're going to get to the Rat Pack stuff next week. Oh, yeah. Very excited about that. Maybe we'll have some Italian food before we start the episode. Oh, that sounds really good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more excited about that than the episode. Italian food, yes. Yes. Okay, Okay, cool. Bye. Bye.